Let's pray together. Paul says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who command themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For if we did not get as far as you with the gospel of Christ, neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about the work already done in someone else's territory. But let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commands himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commands. For it is not the one who commands himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commands. Lord, we are here today, not as people who boast about themselves, of how many mission trips they've been to, or how well they sing, or how well they preach. But Lord, we commend ourselves not by our own standards, not by our own eyes, but Lord, we commend ourselves by being slaves and a servant to Christ, by being approved by Christ. We can be approved and have fame and popularity in this world, but if you are not approved by you, Lord, we have nothing. Lord, here we are, laid bare, naked before you, God. We need you here today more than yesterday. Lord, transform our hearts. Let us thirst and hunger more for your presence, more today than ever before. Lord, we hold on to you dearly, more than our very breath that we breathe, more than the life that we have. We hold on to you, God. And I pray a special prayer right now for Jerry. I pray, God, you would strengthen him, and God, that you would restore him, and God, that we as a church would continue to pray for our dear brother. We give you all the glory and all the honor, and as it says in the word of Psalm 19, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts for those who are here listening may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you alone, O Lord, O God, are our rock and our Redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to our Advent service. This is our second Advent. And the title of today's message is called See the Lord. See the Lord. Last week, the message, the title was called, Commit to the Lord, and today we'll be continuing on and obeying and knowing and seeing the Lord. Amen and amen.
Let's begin with our main passage here today, found in Joel chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. It begins with this. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Amen and amen. As we went over last week's genealogy found in Genesis chapter 5, it's the story of Enoch that's tied with Hebrews 11. But in Genesis 5, it gave us the genealogy of the family from Adam to Noah. And within that, right in the middle, was a man named Enoch. And we learn from the genealogy that, that no matter how long or how many years a person lives or how short of a year a person lives, that death is the guaranteed end for us all, for all beings, even human beings, every human being, every living being on this earth. It's something that no being can escape. Just to go over, Adam, he lived for 800 years and then he died. Seth, 807 years, he died. Enosh, 815 years, he died. Canaan, 840 years, he died. Mahalalel, 895, he died. In other words, struggle and death are guaranteed in this life. But however, as Christians, suffering and death does not have the final word in our lives. Enoch, 365. 365 years he lived, and then God took him away. And here Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. In this moment when Job is writing this, He's realizing that his life is short-lived, that he's going to die very soon. He lost his whole family. His friends are accusing him, are not with him. He has no one standing with him. His skin is in such poor condition that he was using broken pots to make himself feel better as he's scratching his skin. His health is fleeting away. And he says here, I know that my Redeemer lives. Later, we're going to sing a song for our closing song. And in that line in the chorus, it says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will stand with him on that day. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and I'll stand with him on that day. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and I'll stand with him on that day. And it's a song that I used to sing when I was young, when I was a teenager. I remember the first time hearing this song. It would lead me closer to the Lord. Now understanding that this passage, that song is taken from here in Job chapter 19. Because obviously I wasn't well-informed with the scripture back then. But the song here, this line, for I know that my Redeemer lives. I remember declaring it 
before going to sleep in the morning, especially going through hard times. For I know that my Redeemer lives. I pray that you will see the Lord today clearly and that you would declare in your heart, in your soul, with your heart, and that you sing to the Lord today, I know that my Redeemer lives. In the end, he will stand on the earth. My skin has been destroyed. In my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him. With my own eyes, I and not another, my heart yearns within me. Starting with point number one, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. He lives today, and he will live forever. So point letter A, B, C, and D. Letter A, he lives. B, he redeems. C, he conquers. And D, he conquered. Not only is my present and my future paid for, but my past also. How? Because Christ lives, therefore I live. Meaning, in other words, when we say, you are my redeemer, the definition of the word to redeem is this, to buy back what was already yours, to rescue what is already yours, to save what is already yours, to redeem what is already yours. So to give you an analogy, imagine you have a puppy, and you got it with your own effort, and the puppy happens to get stolen or it runs away. Couple blocks down, you see someone else playing with your puppy, and they have the puppy. And you go to them, you say, Hey, that's my puppy. And they say, Okay, prove it. Give me money. And they give you a hard time. And you pay back, you bring back, you rescue, you save, and you redeem what's already yours. From the beginning, the moment we were born, we were created in the image of God, and you belong to God, and your Father is God himself. But somehow along the way, we got lost. We got stolen. We got kidnapped. We became orphans out on the street, not remembering who our maker is, who my redeemer is, who my king is, who my God is. And so many of us here today in this generation... We have lost who our God is, who our Father is, and what we're here for, what our purpose is here for. And we are so lost with the things of this life, and we get lost with the desires of this life, and we lose, and we forget, and we don't have any more memory of who our Father is. Therefore, when we go to college, when we go far away, when we are no longer under the umbrella of our parents. I see a lot of young people losing their faith and being lost out in the world. So BC and PC, BC meaning before Christ, PC meaning pre-Christ, we were forever lost from death, sin, and hell. Three things. Death, sin, and hell. However, thanks be to God that through Christ, 
I am saved from all these things. Can you escape death? Nope. Can you escape sin? Nope. Can you escape hell? No. This is our destination as a human being. That this is what we've been rescued from. This is greater worth than gold and platinum Lexus, than a mansion, than a Bugatti, anything that we can earn in this life. I am eternally saved. You are eternally saved. And we are eternally saved. Romans 6, verse 22 to 23, Paul says this, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Can we turn to a neighbor and say eternal life? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the gift, the gift of having eternal life. In the Old Testament, the word atone, to atone for one's sin, meaning a sacrifice had to be made. You guys know this. A high priest would come once and for all, would offer a sacrifice for the sins of the Israelites, and those sins would be atoned for through the sacrifice on behalf of this animal. But only the high priest would go once a year to the place of Holy of Holies, the holy place, would offer the sacrifice, sprinkle the blood, and our sins would be atoned for. But now, in the New Testament, with the New Covenant, we understand that it says in Hebrews 7, 23 to 28, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. What prevented them? Death. Because we all die. That is our final end. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. What is the purpose to Christ? He lives to intercede for us, for you. And for me. Verse 26, such a high priest truly meets our need. What is our need? Let's go back to the three categories again. Death, sin, and hell. We need rescue from these things. That is what we need. Because if you are not rescued from these things, we are forever doomed. There is no purpose to this life. This is our final end. But it says in verse 26, such a high priest truly meets our need. Not what I want, but our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all, once for all, never again, when he offered himself. He's talking about the cross when he died. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weakness. 
But the oath which came from the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever, forever, forever. Amen and amen. This is why every time I preach, I make sure I pray Psalm 19, where it says, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And scripture is filled with passages where it says, The Lord is our redeemer. One of my life passages, the passage that I love is found in Isaiah 41. Specifically, verse 14, where it says, your Redeemer. Where the Lord declares himself as your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And it goes through and through Scripture, where the Bible makes it clear that he is our Redeemer. Isaiah 43, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So going back to verse 25 of Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. Do you understand? Do you know that your Redeemer lives? Do you believe it? Point number two, I will see God. I will see God. My Redeemer lives, I will see God. Let's go to verse 26 to 27, Job 19. Yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. For after I see the Lord with my own eyes, we shall testify to the world that he is king. Only when we see God with our own eyes, we can say and we can tell others, and we can say and we can declare even on Sunday, when we're here worshiping, we declare he's alive. If we do not see him with our eyes, we cannot say to others that he's alive. Because if you can't see the truth, in other words, he is dead in our lives, but he must be alive in our eyes. We have to see God, for he is alive. I'm not saying God's life is based on our perception. It has nothing to do with our perception. I'm talking about individually. You need to be able to see God clearly. As Job declared, in my flesh, Right now, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. To give you an example, in Mark 5, we all know the story of verse 18 to 20. We see this demon-possessed man. Jesus goes to the other side to rescue this man. This region of Gerasenes, Gerasenes. It's an area where it's not a Jewish region. So the disciples are not that comfortable here. And we see here, Jesus, he goes and he rescues this man saved by the demon legion. 
And here in verse 18, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. In other translations, it says the other people, they were doing their own thing. But this man is the only one that held on to Jesus. The others actually said, Jesus, would you please just go away? You're causing too much trouble here. But he's the only one that begs to go with him. Why? Because he saw with his own eyes that he's alive. And because he saw that he's alive, he was able to declare the truth of God to others. So point letter A, B, C, and D, letter A. In my own skin, in my own flesh, in my own eyes, in my own life, in my own skin, in my own flesh, in my own eyes, in my own life. Whether it is in this life or in the life after, I myself will see him. I and not another. I say own because only you and you alone can make that decision to see and to know the Lord. Where it says in Job 19, 25 to 27, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. The reality here is without Christ, we're not able to see God face to face. Even with Moses, when he asked the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. In Exodus 33, 18 to 23, Moses says, show me your glory. And God says in verse 20, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. In Exodus 34, we see when Moses comes down after seeing the Lord, it says his face was radiant. Verse 30, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. 
And if we continue on in Exodus 34, verse 33 to 35, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. He had to put a veil over his face for others because his face was so shiny and radiant. And the only reason why he was able to see God face to face was because God allowed it. And now in the New Testament, God has revealed himself to us. Amen. Through Christ. And through Christ, we're able to see God as Job declared here, in my own skin, in my own flesh, in my own eyes, and in my own life. I'm able to see him face to face. And we could declare as Job declared here, I will see God. Yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. Point number three. Last point. What is my heart's true desire? What is my heart's true desire? The question, is my heart's desire for him? What is the true desire of my heart? Is it letter A or B? Is it A for him or B not for him? Is it for him or not for him? What is the heart? The heart is mentioned about a thousand times in the scriptures, meaning it's pretty important, I would say. Because it's mentioned over around a thousand times to answer the question, what is the heart? The heart represents the life, your life, the core of your being. That's why Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It is one or the other. There is no middle ground. No halfway. It is all or nothing. It is, I surrender my life to the King of Kings or not surrender my life to the King of Kings. It is, I give my all for the gospel or not give my all for the gospel. There is no middle ground. What is the true desire of your heart? Verse 27, what does Job say here? How my heart yearns within me. How my heart yearns within me. Just like the song that we sang today. My soul sings, my soul sings, my soul sings, 
How I love you, Lord. Do we truly understand when we say, my soul sings, how I love you, Lord, that it comes from the heart, that my heart yearns within me to love you and to follow after you. So in closing, may we pray today as David prayed. Again, understand your definition of the heart, the heart representing your life, the core of your being. As David declared, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. May we cherish each day as if it's our last to not be deceived by youth and by how strong you are today. But while you are able right now today, may you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. May you say, create in me a pure heart, O oh God, a pure heart, a true heart for you. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Why is it important for us to pray for a pure heart? Because by nature, our heart our hearts are crooked to the core of our being. The scripture says it is beyond cure. And to have a pure heart, it must be created new. It must be created new, start all over from in Christ. That's why David says, oh God, meaning only God can give you a new heart. I cannot one day decide, oh, I want a new heart. And just have a new heart. It's just not possible. It doesn't work that way. Just like when we get a physical heart transplant, we cannot perform that surgery on ourselves. But we need the assistance of another person, another individual to perform that heart transplant for us. So in the same way, only God can give you a pure heart. For having a pure heart doesn't come from my own strength. It comes from in and within. The transformation that comes from the touch of the Holy Spirit. True change comes from the inside out. Inner change is where it is in. Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. And give you a heart of flesh. Amen. And amen. And only when you have a correct heart. You'll be able to see God with clear eyes. Only then you'll be able to see. I know the Lord clearly. Amen. And amen. So again, going back to our title, see the Lord, see the Lord, see the Lord. Number one, my Redeemer lives. He lives, he redeems, he conquers, he conquered. Number two, I will see God in my own skin, in my own flesh, 
in my own eyes, in my own life. Number three, what is my heart's true desire? For him, not for him. Which one is it? May you choose today and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And when we do, it's promised in Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart, a pure heart. Put a new spirit in you. Remove from you a heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh. Amen. And amen. Now before we sing and worship together, can we just come together before the Lord individually on your own and declare in your heart and with your soul and say, my Redeemer lives. Lord, I desire to see you today as Job declared. I want to see you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord. And I know that my Redeemer lives. That in the end, He will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see Him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Let's come together now. Let's sing together. Let's pray together and worship together. Let's pray together. And Father, we come before you, God, here today. Holy Spirit, give me a new heart. Steadfast spirit within me to know you and to follow you. And to hold on to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and have your way here in this place. together.
Heavenly Father, we stand before your holy presence here today. Trusting in you and your promises and who you are. And not forgetting whose I am. We turn to you, Lord, today with thanksgiving. We give you all the glory and all the honor. And that the name of the Lord will be praised here in this service. Lord, we offer to you nothing but our best, our all to you, God. And in the end, God, our efforts are nothing. If we do not see you, Lord, if we do not have a relationship with you, if we do not have a new heart, oh God, everything we do is in vain. Return to you with thanksgiving. You are the only one who can save us from this life of death, sin, and hell. We need you here today, more today than yesterday. And I pray specifically right now again for our brother Jerry, that God, that you strengthen him, that you'll guide him, and you'll restore him, O oh Lord. I pray, God, you strengthen the family, particularly the father, that God, that you will lead them to a place where they seek and draw closer to the heart of the Lord, especially in this trial and this season, this difficult season, that we would declare today that my Redeemer lives not only in our good days, but also in the most difficult of the days. They would declare, Lord, our Redeemer lives. Give you all the glory. Give you all the honor. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. amen. The path of life in Jesus. you and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you and now may the Lord turn his face towards you and may you see the Lord may the unending pursuit 
May the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which that surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you, guide you, protect you, and lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.